today we're going to be talking about physical wholeness. God is interested in every area of our lives, not just our spiritual well-being. He made us and he made us to function well. Sometimes things come along in life that inhibit you from doing these things. And I have a back condition, which I've had since I was 24. So that has restricted me in many ways. Ended up in having surgery when I was in my late 40s. It's had a knock-on effect uh, with my physical well-being, and so I'm trying to do everything that I can to keep myself well and fit and honor what God made. So with God's help, I'm gonna pursue this to the best of my ability to stay well, to stay fit. God is interested in our physical well-being as well as our spiritual well-being. So I hope you have a great day today learning about wholeness in a physical sense. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm just going to move this to this side. I have one of those funny things where it has to be on the left-hand side. Does anyone else have those types of things, you know? You have to sleep on the left-hand side of the bed. I have to have it here. I can't have it there, so I just moved it. It's great to see you, everybody, this morning. For those of you who don't know me yet, my name is Dave, and along with my wife, Sean and our incredible team, uh, we're part of Bridge Church in Lincoln. Uh, but we love the fact that we are part of Lincoln as a whole. We love the fact of what God is doing in our city. He's doing some great things, isn't he? And he's doing things through all of us. And, you know, every time I travel around, I always say this to everybody, that it's not really about what happens here that counts. You know, we aren't the most important people. We are the body of Christ. And so everything I want to share with you this morning and a few moments I have is to encourage every single one of us to take our place understand who God has called us to be and live the life that God has called us to live. Um, I just really, one of the things when you are a visiting speaker is you always try and gauge the room, you gauge what God is doing, gauge what God is saying. And so I just really felt that today what I want to share to you in line with the series that you have is really, I want to talk about the foundations of this message. I don't want to talk too much about practicalities. We will look a little bit at some of that, but I really want us to walk out of this place today grabbing the heart of what God wants to say about our physicality. The second thing I want to say about that is that there doesn't, you know, my heart is that I don't want anybody in this room to hear what's not being said or to hear something that makes you feel condemned or makes you feel, you know, that's not what we are talking about here today. It's not about a goal or a target. It's about the journey. The Word of God is about the journey. If you read uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, his language is the language of journey. In Philippians, he says this. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have been made perfect, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. So if you hear anything today, it's this, is that whatever situation you are in, whether you are young, whether you are old, whether you are super fit, whether you're not as fit as you could be, wherever you are, there's always another step that can be taken. And that's the message for every single one of us. It's not about the person on your left or the person on your right. The only person you need to compare yourself with is yourself. Are you further on today in life than you were yesterday? Are you a better person today than you were five years ago? Are you moving forward in all of the areas that God wants you to move forward in? In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, it tells us this. There's not, there's not a lot that we read 
about the life of Jesus before he started his ministry. There's just a few things, but one of the things it says is this, just a throwaway sentence. It says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. That's what it tells us. And then we see he starts his ministry. So we understand that for 30 years of Jesus' life, what he did is he just grew. He grew in wisdom, in his intellect. He grew in stature physically. Jesus wasn't a wimp. He wasn't a little weakling. He was a big, strong man. He grew in favor with God and with man, relationally with God and relationally with one another. He grew in those four areas, and that's the model for us. We are to grow. We are to grow in our knowledge. We are to grow in our wisdom. We are to grow in our intellect. We are to grow in our relationships. We are to grow in our emotions, which you've heard about. We are to grow in every single area of our lives. And it's my privilege today to talk about physical wholeness. The second thing I want to say is this, and and this is going to blow your mind. Well, I hope it will anyway. I've probably probably overshot that remark a little bit too much. It might not blow your mind, but this is really what I want to say. And and this this is the message to us as a church. For those of us in this room that are part of what I would call uh, Western society, we, we struggle with this concept. For those of you that are born in this country or born in the West, in Europe, we need to understand that the Word of God was not written into that context. It's written into a completely different mindset. So if you are from another a- a nation here today that is not from kind of what we would call the West, you will understand this a lot better than us. When the Word of God was written, it was written to a context that whilst it celebrated individuality, it didn't obsess about it. The Jewish mindset where the Word of God was written was more about us than it is about me. And when you read the word you in the Bible, 99.9% of the time, it's not talking about you or you or you. It's talking about you. It's a plural word. So when we start to understand some of the key passages in the New Testament that we quote so often and we apply it in an individual context, it's not wrong to apply it individually, but we have to understand it's not written individually. So if you read in Ephesians 2 verse 10, for example, it says, for you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We automatically think, yes, I'm God's workmanship. God has made me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's true. But when Paul writes that, he's not saying you are God's workmanship. He's saying you are God's workmanship. Together, we are God's workmanship. There's a verse we're going to look at a little bit later in 1 Corinthians, and this is the verse that we're going to hang today on, where it says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? But we need to understand that actually, in our English language, it's not been translated very well. Because we, we read that, whether you've got the NIV or the ESV or whatever, it will probably say, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? That's not the correct translation. When Paul writes to the church, he says, do you not know, you collectively, that your bodies, plural, are a temple, singular, of the Holy Spirit? 
And when we understand that translation, it completely changes our understanding of what God is trying to say to us about what it means to be the body of Christ. It gives a little bit more understanding to 1 Corinthians 12, 27, where it says, when one suffers, we all suffer. There's a solidarity in the word of God that actually helps us understand that that how I live, whether that be good or bad, has an impact on the whole. We all have an impact on the whole. And so when God is looking at us, a live hiking this morning, he's looking not just at you individually, of course he is, but he's looking at you as the body collectively. And he's saying, I want health in the body, not just in your body. So this message, when we look at these things, it's not just about me. Am I moving forward in Jesus? It's us. Are we growing? Are we knowing? Are we going? Are we collectively? And, and, and when we start to apply that individually, then we ask the question, is there anything that I'm doing both in the positive or the negative that has an effect on the whole? So when you live in a way that glorifies God, you are affecting the whole for the good. When you live in a way that doesn't glorify God, you're not just harming yourself, but you're harming the whole. Because when one suffers, or one causes someone else to suffer, we all suffer. But when one grows, when one steps forward, when one uh, moves forward in life, then it moves us all forward. So this message today, whilst there is an element of individual application we need to understand that this is a message for us it's a message for the church without condemnation without comparison this is a message for us and I want you and I to take this message away today and say how can I move forward how can I grow how can I press on towards the goal so physical wholeness what does it mean to be physically whole Well, like we said, to be physically whole is as important as everything else. Because another thing about the the, the non-Western mindset is that everything's connected. We compartmentalize, don't we? For those of us that are from this nation, we compartmentalize. We have this part of our lives. We have this part of our lives. We have this part of our lives. But it's all connected, which is why the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your hearts, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's basically Jesus' way of saying, love the Lord your God with everything. It's impossible to love God with one part and not the other. Because in the Jewish mindset, there, there isn't even parts. You can't, di- you can't differentiate between them. So you either love God with all, or you love God with nothing. And the, and the other interesting thing related to that is when they ask him the question, what's the greatest commandment? He doesn't stop there. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So looking at ourselves as whole beings and looking at ourselves as a community of believers is what it really means to worship Jesus. And I think we've got a long way to go in our nation to understand that it's not about me, but it's about us. That my, I don't, it's not really about my personal relationship with Jesus. It's about our relationship with Jesus together moving forward. And that sounds a bit dangerous 
that sounds a little bit risky. That sounds a little bit like we're becoming a cult when we talk that way. But I encourage you to read Acts 2 again with that lens and realize how radical those early believers really were. And they were persecuted because they were so radical, so countercultural that it made others look at them and think, wow, this, this really is something different. But that's the life that God has called us to lead. Is that okay? So let me, I've just got a few things to mention and then I'm going to hand over to Ben as he brings this to, to a close. But let's look firstly at God's plan. God's plan for our physical wholeness. There's three things I just want to mention to help us this morning. The first thing is this, is that God's plan began before we were formed. So in Psalm 139, yes, this is one of those verses that you can apply individually. It tells us there that you knit me together in my mother's womb. David says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to understand that even though we live in a broken world, and we'll talk about brokenness a little bit later, we need to understand that God's original plan was perfection. I wonder what Adam really looked like. Have you, do, you ever, do you ever think like that? I think that, I think, you know, because I look in the mirror, like I'm sure you do, and some days I'm like, mm, that's all right. Other days I'm like, oh, is that really me? Or I look in the mirror and I think, you know, I, I still think I'm 21, but I'm not anymore. And, you know, and, and we live in a world where, you know, things aren't really the way they should be. But Adam would have been the perfect specimen. I don't know what he would have looked like, whether he would have had rippling muscles, six-pack. I don't know. I don't know what he would have looked like. But we have to understand, in Genesis 1 and 2, before anything came in to mess it all up, there was perfection. And into that context, God made Adam in his image. And he would have been an incredible specimen. And from him, Eve was formed. And together, they, they perfectly represented humanity. And even though we are not at that level, we are still fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you were born, God knew you. He designed you. I don't know if there's anyone here that's ever worked in a, or works in a factory. And you know what it's like in a factory, don't you? It's like, put the cap on the bottle, put the cap on the bottle, put the cap on the bottle, or whatever it may be. And sometimes we think, well, that's just the way that... God made us. No, he didn't. He took time on every single one of us. As he was designing you, he spent time thinking about all intricacies that make you, you. Not just your personality, but your physicality. He knit you together with his DNA. He, and it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we talk a little bit later about stewardship, when we understand that God took time on us, part of the challenge is for us to then take time on us. Because when you are given a gift and you know thought has been put into that gift, you appreciate it more, don't you? When I'm given a present at Christmas and it's, you know, you know, you, you kind of get the impression it was like lastminute.com or the person that gave you a gift, that it kind of forgot about the fact that it was your birthday or something and they, you know, just rushed to the shops. It kind of devalues the gift a little bit, doesn't it? 
But when, when, have you ever had those moments where, where someone's presented you with something and it's clear that time has been taken into that gift? That's who we are. That, that's the gift to us. The, God's gift to us or part of his gift to us is our bodies. And, and the fact that he took time designing you intricately, the fact that he put uh, time and effort and passion into that creation, it makes me think, well, God, thank you, first of all. But secondly, I have a little bit of a responsibility to take care of your gifts. Because who we are is a gift from God. Secondly, we can say that God's plan for us reveals his love, his care, and his interest in us. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, it's one of those passages that talks about Jesus' ministry. And it says that he went around the towns and the villages and healing and delivering and doing all of these incredible things. Let me ask you the question. Why did Jesus heal so many people? Have you ever really thought about that question? Now, we read it, don't we? And we think, oh, is that amazing? God did these things. But have you ever asked yourself the question, why did Jesus heal? What was the purpose behind his healings? What was the purpose behind his miracles? Well, I think the primary purpose behind all of those things is that they were there to show us the heart and the nature of God. That God is a God that, you can write this down, this is a quotable quote. God is a God that restores, not replaces. Think about that again. The whole narrative of scripture is about restoration, not replacement. It's a perfectly symmetrical book, the Bible. Genesis 1 and 2 is the first part. Genesis 3 to Revelation 20 is the middle part. Revelation 21 and 22 is the third part. It's a perfectly symmetrical book. Everything that we read in the last two chapters, it comes full circle from what we read in the first two chapters. We live in a massive, massive part of the Bible. It's the middle section. We are living in that right now. And everything that God is doing, when we talk about the kingdom of God being, uh, being present now, what that is, is that it's a sign of the age to come. And God is, so whenever someone's healed, it's a sign of the age to come. Whenever something happens, a miracle takes place, it's a sign of the age to come. And it's God ushering in his kingdom. It's here, but it's not yet, but it's a journey of restoration. Again, when you go to other nations of the world or other parts of the country of the world, they understand this far better than we do. Uh, we have a charity in the Gambia in, in West Africa, and we work with uh, thousands of children in some schools. They understand the concept of restoration far more than we do. Because when something's broken here... It's cheaper for us to chuck it in the bin and get a new one. Your kettle breaks, it's 10 quid at Argos, just get a new one. Your phone breaks, just get a new one. But you go to some nations where it's not really easy to do that and something breaks and they'll fix it again and again. And again, and you drive around these places and you see all of these cars where they're kind of half being worked on. And restoration in that culture is powerful because something can't just be thrown away. Whatever you think of some of the stories that we read in the Old Testament, realize this, that when, when, G, when God said in Genesis 6, he says, I will never do that again when the, when the earth is flooded. I'll never do that again because that's not his nature. God's nature is not to just to throw something away. It's to restore it's to bring back 
to the original purpose. And if the original purpose for us was complete wholeness, we'll never be completely whole this side of heaven, but God is fixing us. He's putting us back together. He's mending us. He's healing us. He's restoring us. And when you read about a new heaven and a new earth, I'm convinced it's not a literal new heaven and a literal new earth. It's renewed. It's all of the badness taken out. And it's bringing us back to that place where it was always the way that God intended it to be. The third thing I want to mention on this point is this, is that God's plan is for us to live a long life. Now, we need to temper that with the fact that God is sovereign and things happen. So we're not saying that it's everyone's divine right to live a long life. But what we're saying is it's God's desire that, that what the things that we are in control of, he wants us to live a long life. So if you're driving in the car and someone smashes into you, that's, it's out of your control. But the things that we are in control of, God wants us to steward ourselves. So if God decides to take my life, he's in control, he's sovereign. But the things that I'm in control of, I can say, hey, I can steward my life. I'm going to look after myself in a way because God has promised long life to me. And if I make good, wise choices, then I will live a long life. And we know that things happen. We know that circumstances happen that we are not in control of. And we can't focus on those, but we can focus on the things that we do have control over. And God wants us to look after what he has given us. He wants us to steward what he has given us. So let's just look briefly then at stewardship. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own, you were bought at a price. Therefore, I love, I, love the, I love the therefores in scripture. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, what we need to understand about this word, therefore, whenever, whenever a challenge is given, we can't just focus on the instruction. We can't just say, honor God with your bodies. We need to understand why. The word of God is saying, honor God with your bodies. He's saying, honor God with your bodies because you were bought with a great price. Because God paid the price. Because God is interested in you. Because God cares about you. Because God has put so much time and effort into you. Because of those things, honor him with your bodies. You see, if you were to, and you can do this when you go home or sometime this week, if you were to look at the whole of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you see some other things in there that give an indication as to what he's saying in these two verses. Uh, just quickly, a couple of things about that. Firstly, our bodies are to be subject to the things that are good for us. Verse 12a of 1 Corinthians 6 is the classic phrase where Paul says, everything is permissible for me. But not everything is beneficial. And here's the thing. That's in the same chapter. So often in church, we get so focused on what is right and wrong that we kind of miss the point. The Bible's not really about what's right and wrong. It's about what's beneficial and what's not beneficial. 
And I get caught into so many conversations with people where they want me to tell them, is this right or wrong? And I'm saying, well, that's not really the right question. It's about asking yourself, is this beneficial to me or is it not? Because everything's permissible. Ultimately, God's given us choice and we can do whatever we want. And God's not going to stop you. He's not going to stop me making choices. But my responsibility, your responsibility is to ask the question in all areas, but particularly in this area, is this beneficial? Is this not? Secondly, addiction of any kind is not good. He says in verse uh, 12b, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So let me put this one to bed just for a minute. Having an unhealthy uh, lifestyle with what you put into your body is no worse than being obsessed with exercise. Because that's an addiction. You're just replacing one with the other. Because it's not really about what, it's not really about the thing. It's about the it's about the dependency. And we are living in a day and age now where it's almost flipped on its head and people are so obsessed with, you know, let me say this about nutrition. If you, if you are addicted to counting calories and saying, well, I can't have that because something's going to go wrong, that's an obsession. An obsession is wrong, whether it's good things or bad things. Hello? You've gone a bit quiet now. I can say these things because I'm going. You've got to mop it up after. I went. I went through a phase about. I went through a phase about four, or five years ago where I was overweight. You know, in, in whatever definition you want to use, I was overweight, and I knew I wasn't healthy. I, you know, particularly for my age. You know, I was th- mid thirties, and, and I wasn't particularly healthy. And I went through a journey, and I, and I lost uh, nineteen pounds in eight weeks. And people were applauding me for it. And I look back on that now and I say, that was wrong. Because that was not healthy. I didn't lose the weight healthily. I, my lifestyle wasn't healthy. Going to the gym four times a day. Eating, eating a, a McDonald's and then having to go, you know, exercising two hours afterwards just because I've eaten that McDonald's. That's kind of like a, a freaky bulimia really, isn't it? And, in, and, and the thing with all of this stuff is obsession of any kind is not good. So maybe some of you, you need to be released from that kind of mindset. Maybe for you, the issue isn't, oh, I eat all this bad food. Maybe for you, you're too obsessed with exercise. You're too obsessed with calorie counting and journaling every little thing you eat. Maybe for you, God's saying, release the obsession. The only thing you should be obsessed with is me. The only person you should be obsessed with is me. And then in that passage, he talks about the temple. And here's a few things about the temple we need to remind ourselves about. Great care and attention was given to the temple. Like we said, great care and attention is given to you. So if our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple time was put into it. Immense wealth was put into the temple, into its construction. And it was a place for God to dwell. So when we start to think about our bodies, when we start to think about our physicality, we need to understand that it's about time. 
It's about investment. And it's about a place where God can dwell. So if we get too obsessed one way or the other, our eyes are not on Jesus. And Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on him. That's the only thing, the only person we should be fixing our eyes on is him. But with those things in mind, when we talk about journeying and moving forward and stepping ahead and moving one step at a time, let me just mention very quickly just a few things as we draw this to a close. I'm not going to get into practicalities about this because you can do this yourself. Nutrition. We all know nutrition is important. And nowadays we live in, you know, there are no excuses anymore for information. We live in a world as information overload. So I encourage you, when you go home, there were a couple of slides, but I'm not going to put them up. When you go home, just Google healthy eating, moderation. There's so much stuff out there that can help us live a nutritious life. The second thing, this is the massive thing. This is the biggie. The second thing is sleep. There are so many issues in our lives that are down to not sleeping well. And I can just leave that with you because you're all nodding along. You know what I'm saying here. Sleep is so, so important. Isn't it interesting that we say to, we say to little ones that their behavior is tied in with how they sleep, yet when we become adults, we forget that. We're still, we're, we're still human. And if you are not sleeping well, that will be a cause of some issues in your life. When we sleep, something takes place where our bodies reset themselves, our minds reset themselves, our physicality resets itself. We wake up the next day refreshed and ready to go again. So sleep is so, so important. This, the third point in that is stress. What are you worrying about today? What are you caring about today? What's on your mind today? Because we all know this, don't we, that what's going on here and here affects ourselves physically. Massively. That's why the Bible tells us, cast your burdens upon him. Because he cares for you. The irony of all of this is that last night I didn't sleep well. And last night for the first, and, and, and I, I actually believe this is, a, this is a little bit of an attack. Because I knew I was going to be standing here this morning sharing this. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that generally worries. But for some reason last night, I couldn't sleep. And I had all of the issues of church going around my head. And I hadn't had that for months. And, you know, things are going well at Bridge. But you've always got stuff you're thinking about. And it was just a weird night. And I'm like, what's going on here? Someone clearly doesn't want me to bring this message to the church. And I just, you know, it's hot. I probably slept about an hour. And every little thing was going around in my head. And I'm like, I need to give that to you, Lord. And the, third, and the last thing on that is exercise. It's not about running 50 marathons. It's not about, you know, looking like a professional athlete. But it is about looking after your body. And whatever exercise means for you, like we said, it's not about the person on your left comparing yourself to them. It's not about comparing your circumstances to the person on your right. It's about you asking yourself the question, how can I move forward in the areas of nutrition, in the areas of sleep, and in the areas of exercise? As I draw this to a close, let me finish with this last statement. You'll see it on there. It comes up, perfect peace. We need to understand this, friends, that the word perfect 
in the Bible is really to do with wholeness. That's really, so whenever you read the word perfect, whether, you know, in, in Romans 12, it says you'll be able to test and approve God's will. He's good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word perfect really is to do with completeness. It's not about perfect in our understanding of the word perfect. It's completeness. It's wholeness. So when we talk about perfect peace, we're understanding that it's about whole peace. It's about peace in its completeness. And peace for the believer really comes when we pursue wholeness in all of our lives. You and I will not be at peace if we have a good spiritual life, but we have a bad emotional life. You won't be at peace. You won't be at peace if there are, you know, issues that you are causing on yourself to do with your physicality, but other areas are going better. You won't be at perfect peace. Perfect peace comes when we replicate how Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. And for the non-believer here today, he wants you to know that he takes you where you are, but he doesn't leave you there. He takes all of us where we are, but because he loves us so much, he's not prepared to leave us where we are. So with the words of Paul, not that I've already obtained all of this or been made perfect. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I just wonder if we could close our eyes. I'm going to hand back to Ben. And I'm going to allow him to apply this to us this morning. Thank you.